0: Welcome to the Chopped Guillotine Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Joe Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to the Chopped Guillotine Podcast. I am your host, Joe Harris, and today we have yet another episode Recapping week two. It's in the books. I hope that you made it out of your guillotine leagues alive. I did it in almost all of my leagues, but we'll talk more about that in the next episode. We'll save the harrowing stories uh, for our exit interviews. Today, we're going to be going over more waiver wire targets, rules you should keep in mind when you're bidding fab on all the players that got dropped in your league, and trade advice going forward. Because, as I have observed over the first week, some of you motherfuckers out there need it. Uh, This episode is sponsored by the follow button. If you or a loved one has access to a thumb, or any other finger for that matter, you can actually use it to press the follow button on any device, on any platform that you may be listening. You can hit that button, and we would all greatly appreciate it here at the Guillotine Podcast. I say we like there's anyone else over here. This is just me, guys. I would really appreciate it. Please and thank you. We're going to jump right into it. There's a good handful of waiver wire targets who might still be kicking around on your waivers. Obviously, there are people on your waiver wire that I'm not going to talk about just because I don't have the time or desire to talk about all 200 players in fantasy football and how much I would bet on them. So, of the people who may be available in your guillotine league, we're going to start with the big name, the big ticket, the number one ad everywhere by the end of this week. He should be rostered in 100% of fantasy leagues following an absolutely terrible looking injury to Nick Chubb. Prayers up to Nick Chubb. Monday Night Football is is having some some curse issues going on, as we can see. The player who I've buried the hatchet on is Jerome Ford. He, look, he is the clear most important ad that you can make in any league, guillotine being no different. He has enormous staying power throughout the course of this season. It's very rare for these guys to just pop up on a wafer wire as a week-in, week-out start. That said, if he's on your wire you might consider reining it in a bit trying to buy low on a different running back maybe someone who got dropped who has underperformed so far Alexander Madison sticks out quite a bit he's had two terrible games against two really awesome run defenses you he's still getting all the work so think of guys like that who are not quite as quite as hot is Jerome Ford right now because everyone else in your league is going to be looking for him but he's obviously the new hot stuff so I'm going to talk about him the biggest problem that faces Jerome Ford is not the possibility of Kareem Hunt signing there or then trading for Cam Akers I, I think that if either of those things happen I will be happy for Jerome Ford that that's the only competition that he has in this backfield um, the biggest problem is he plays the Tennessee Titans Next week. You are not at a stage in your league where you can spend a lot of your fab on him. I mean, you you would be looking at 10%, maybe 15% of guillotine fab on Jerome Ford. You can't spend that on a guy and then bench him. The Titans have been phenomenal against the run going all the way back through about halfway through last year. They just really turned it on and shut down running backs outright they're terrible against covering wide receivers and that plays into it just because their secondary is so bad that it's a waste of time to do anything but pass the ball but also the players that they have up the middle are really good they have an excellent linebacking core. their line uh, the defensive line is headlined by Jeffrey Simmons who was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL it's hard for running backs to produce against the Tennessee Titans you're not going to see a lot of it going forward. The the Tennessee Titans are the reason that we told you to sit Joshua Kelly who was another really hot waiver wire ad and we were correct. He scored like 5 points. I think he had 5.9 at the end of the day. That's not what you want out of a guy who you're spending 10-15% to of your guillotine fab on. He might be someone who you let other people overspend on. If you have him rostered, Now is a perfect sell-high opportunity. This is a guy who has all of the buzz. If someone needs a running back, and trust me, someone needs a running back. Someone had Nick Chubb and no longer has Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford is an awesome trade-away candidate just because of how high his value is. I'm not saying he must be traded away. I'm saying that you absolutely have the sell-high window and... I don't like passing on a sell-high window. So, Jerome Ford, he should be added in every fantasy league ever. You should put a bid out on him if he's on your waiver wire. I wouldn't go crazy just because of, you know, it's the Titans. Let's not do this to ourselves for the second week in a row. Another guy who is almost certainly on your waiver wire... Nat Breda after a Saquon Barkley injury. This is another person who I'm going to warn you against picking up and trusting really heavily. I'll I'll let you know that right now. He should totally be rostered after After the Saquon Barkley injury, I'm not looking to start him on a short week. I don't think you should be looking to start him either. If he was playing on Sunday or Monday, I would be a little bit more inclined to it, but I would still be pretty hesitant. The fact, though, that this is a Sunday night football game against the San Francisco 49ers, not Sunday night, excuse me, Thursday night football game against the San Francisco 49ers absolutely terrifies me. Not only is this a bad offensive line, a bad offense a bad team that almost just lost to the arizona cardinals this is not a running back who i want to put my guillotine futures on right this is a guy who we've seen him be good for two games out of the three seasons that he played in san francisco and he was on the giants last year and saquon barkley missed time for the giants last year i think he had it wasn't a two-game stretch. It was two different games, I want to say, that he missed due to just being completely overworked because he was the only functioning part of the Giants offense last year, still is. And when Matt Breida was, quote-unquote, the guy, he wasn't the guy. Gary Brightwell was the guy. And that that's the next guy who I want to talk about. Gary Brightwell got more touches than Matt Breida when Saquon Barkley was out. I'm not saying that this is 100% going to continue, but not only have we seen it happen, we also saw the Giants draft a running back um, in the fifth round, Evan Hole, in the most recent NFL draft. He is injured right now, which is really sad. I would have loved to be talking about Evan Hole right now because I think he is awesome. But that's just not where it's going. We've got... Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell in the New York Giants backfield, and I don't feel great about either of them. I would definitely be looking to add, but I want to put in a low bid on each of them. I don't want them to touch my starting lineup at all. Hi guys, this is a uh, this is Joe from the future. I definitely just uh, completely messed up who the uh, who the who the Giants running back is. That was my bad. I was going through on the on the editing end. It is not Evanhole. It is Eric Gray. Everything else I said was absolutely right. Um, they're actually by coincidence. They're both running backs who I like, who were drafted in the fifth round with more of a pass catching profile. Um, they're both injured. So, uh, long story short, neither of them matter. Just wanted to correct myself. I'll get back to uh to to pass Joe now. Thanks. Another guy who we think is probably, he has to be on your wire. The These last two guys have got to be unrostered in your league. And if someone is a fucking prophet, then they have them on their team. Good for them. Otherwise, you can absolutely make a move to pick up Tony Jones Jr. and Craig Reynolds. Tony Jones Jr. just scored two touchdowns for the Saints, which is sad. We do like our guys to be more under the radar for these sort of ads. Not looking like it. Um, Tony Jones Jr. didn't have an excellent day on the ground. I want to say he was right around three yards per carry. But he's also kind of the only running back in that backfield with um, Kendra Miller hurt. We assume he's going to continue to be hurt. And then Jamal Williams suffered an injury, had to exit the game um, on Monday night football against the Carolina Panthers. No Alvin Kamara with the suspension, which he'll be returning from in week four. So all of you Alvin Kamara managers out there, you're about to have your load considerably lightened. But Tony Jones Jr. is a guy who can fill in for you for exactly one week. You need it. I've seen the teams out there. I know that a lot of you listening... At least half of you listening have a gaping hole at your running back position, if not two gaping holes. Tony Jones Jr. does not fill that hole on his own. He is he's a small he's a small fella. He is not big enough to fill the Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley sized hole in your lineup. But like, he he'll fit. You can't put a wide receiver there. You wouldn't want to put a tight end there, even if you could. So, uh, Tony Jones Jr. If Kendra Miller comes back, then I would maybe look towards Kendra Miller. He's been injured a lot. I don't know how much work they want to give him. If if Kendra Miller comes back, they're probably just both sits. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens between now and then. You should look for the start-sit episode that comes out on Saturday, and we'll have an answer for that question there. So keep both of them on your radar. Notably, Tony Jones Jr. And Craig Reynolds, who I mentioned earlier, there's no shot he's rostered. He can't. It, if someone had Craig Reynolds on their team, you like need to report them to whoever is in charge of the Illuminati because they have some they they have some unbelievable foresight. They are probably a lab experiment who escaped and is just living among us now. So unless you have that person in your league, Craig Reynolds is available. This is a premier like $1, even $0 ad. And I'm not going to be able to get him for $1 or $0 anymore because, you know, I said it and people who I play with listen. But regardless, Craig Reynolds is an awesome ad. He saw a lot of work when David Montgomery went out. David Montgomery is not playing next week, at least according to almost every beat reporter surrounding the Lions. I would tend to listen to them. I don't think he's a guy who I want to add as, like, a plug-and-play. But however for however long David Montgomery is out, after this coming week, Craig Reynolds could be a guy who fills a hole in your roster temporarily. He should have the exact same role that David Montgomery had. He should do it probably a little bit worse. The Lions, for whatever reason, are very hesitant to give Jameer Gibbs more work. And even after David Montgomery went out, they didn't increase Jameer Gibbs' snap share considerably. He went from, I want to say, about a 30% to about a 40% snap share. He is not on the field a ton. They want to be very slow and deliberate with the way they use their new rookie running back. That makes sense. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. Craig Reynolds has been in this system for a long time. We've seen him have really random explosion, awesome games, and then, you know, immediately just turns back into nothing. He's a guy who you should absolutely be putting on your roster. If it gets desperate, who knows? Maybe he does become a start. I'll talk to you about that on Saturday. But for now, he's a really good, really cheap ad if the guys towards the bottom of your bench are just looking ugly or have some red letters next to their names now. And uh, just to wrap up the running back section of the waiver wire, Zach Moss and justice Hill and Kyron Williams. They all should have been added last week. Uh, Zach Moss and Kyron Williams should have been drafted in a hundred percent of guillotine leagues in the event that they're still out there. You pick them up They're They're good. They can actually fill a decent hole on your roster. You can check out episode 11 of this podcast where I explain why that's the case. Cause we've already talked about those guys. So I'm not going to subject you all who are frequent listeners, to having to hear me talk about the same thing over and over again. It's hard enough to hear me talk about one thing once. We're just going to go ahead and get into the wide receiver side of things. The headliner for the wide receiver waiver wire is Josh Reynolds. He should be available in nearly every league. He was out there playing nearly every snap. He saw a lot of targets, even with Amon ra st brown on the field for most of the game and he has turf toe which not obviously not a hugely detrimental injury but it's also something that guys miss time for we've seen people miss two three even four weeks in the case of you know michael thomas rip um in a lot of cases turf coat turf toe if not treated properly can keep a dude out for a long time Obviously, we don't want that. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. You love Amon Ross St. Brown. Anyone who plays fantasy football loves Amon Ross St. Brown. But in the event that he's not out there, this coming Sunday, Josh Reynolds is a smash hit. He was soaking up so many targets. He was always on the field. He caught two touchdowns. That, that's the one thing I don't like about Josh Reynolds for this week, is that he's on other people's radar because he caught two touchdowns. Terrible. How dare you, Josh Reynolds. If you're listening to this, which I know you are, because everyone listens to this podcast who plays in the NFL, you shouldn't have caught those. You should have let us make the sneaky Josh Reynolds ad, and then you go crazy. Even if Amon-Ross St. Brown plays, Josh Reynolds is a perfectly good start. If Amon-Ross doesn't play, he is a smash 10 out of 10, 11, 12 out of 10 play. I'll give you all the updates on that again on Saturday. Look at me learning how to, like, promote my own content. I'm getting I'm getting good at this stuff. Moving now to the next wide receiver set. Uh, we've got two guys who we want to highlight. Any wide receiver who lives in Houston, Texas, probably plays for the Houston Texans. And if that's the case... You want them on your team. You probably want to start them. Guys like Tank Dell and Robert Woods, if they are available in your leagues, which they are in a lot of leagues right now, they need to be picked up immediately. This is a Houston Texans team that does not have the offensive line to run the ball. It's really sad. Damian Pierce, I, I love Damian Pierce. He's so good. I think he's he's one of the guys who might have more yards after contact than just total yards because he just gets hit in the backfield all the time. But if that's going to be the case in Houston, which makes me sad, makes me want to cry, uh, Dell and Robert Woods, they're going to catch a lot of passes. We're, we're going to see a very consistent game plan out of the Houston Texans, and that's snap it to a rookie quarterback who, for whatever reason, has pinpoint accuracy, which is not fair, but he does. And he's going to throw it to short area targets like Tank Dell and Robert Woods and Nico Collins. Obviously, Nico Collins is 100% rostered. There's no way he's not rostered. Um, but the these supplemental pieces, they matter. Especially in you know these really deep formats where you need maybe some sort of consistent producer from your flex, from your wide receiver three. Those are absolutely options that you can look towards. before we move on out of here Dalton Schultz is still on the Houston Texans he's worrying me we're going to talk about him more on Saturday to be certain he is he's suffering from the same fate that a lot of tight ends on bad offenses do where it's like even if we know you're a really talented pass catcher if your offensive line is terrible then they're just going to keep you in the block and that's where Dalton Schultz is starting to fall that's where we saw Tyler Higbee start to fall last week it's very sad you hate to see it, especially as someone who likes both Tyler Higby and Dalton Schultz. It's not about being right, you know, week one or preseason. It's about getting it right going forward. And going forward, the tight ends on bad offenses, specifically ones with bad offensive lines, really need to be avoided. Which makes the wide receivers on their team better. I mean, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, we didn't expect them to be this good. We definitely didn't expect Puka Nakua. And 2-2 Atwell to be really good for the Rams. But they are. Because that's where the targets have to go. Because it can't go to the tight end. The tight end has to block. Gonna move on now. Sorry. I I do that. I do that sometimes. My notes are just, you know. My notes are a suggestion. The Packers wide receivers. They are making deliberate use of Jalen Reed. If he is available. Jaden Reed, sorry. I can't read. Ha. That was a pun. Almost. I think. I don't know, give a, you know what, follow this podcast if you think that was a pun. The Packers are making very deliberate usage of Jaden Reed. He He's a guy who, if he's available, you pick him up. He's not worth an enormous amount of fat. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to spend a lot on him, even following a two-touchdown performance. Christian Watson is coming back. He should be the wide receiver one, or at least he definitely projects to be. But if the Packers are making this deliberative effort to get Jaden Reed involved early, I think it's a pretty good sign that they want him to be a big part of this offense. They drafted him early in the second round. He's played really well so far. He hasn't had an enormous snap share. This shows that he has some pretty good upside moving forward. I don't want to play him the first week that Christian Watson is back, but he should be on your bench. You should make an offer to whoever has Jaden Reed to try to get him just as a guy towards the bottom of your bench. If he's if they're not starting Jaden Reed, you should be acquiring Jaden Reed. And just to get towards wrapping things up, we're going to look at tight ends, which I know, gross, I, I don't like looking at tight ends either. Makes me sad. Jake Ferguson. He's a tight end. He gets a lot of targets because he's a cowboy. And Dak Prescott loves his tight ends. He scored a touchdown last week. Good for him. His yardage output made me want to throw up. His target share was meh. But he's a tight end. And tight ends, as we know, I'm going to make it the slogan of this show, just that tight ends suck. Jake Ferguson, he doesn't suck. He's bad, but he doesn't suck. So he starts for you. Uh, Same thing goes for Luke Musgrave. He has had a really interesting usage uh, in week one and week two. He is on the field almost all the time. He has reasonably high route participation. He's just not seeing the targets. That's something that you probably should expect to start coming his way. Just depending on whenever... The Packers are playing the right matchup. If they have good outside corners, Luke Musgrave is going to be way more involved. If they have good nickel corners and coverage linebackers, he's going to be way less involved. Not a lot of tight ends out there demand targets. Musgrave doesn't demand targets, but he's talented, he's on the field, and he can easily fall into targets given the right matchup. He should be on a roster, no matter what league you're in. He should be on a roster. And finally, a guy who I really didn't like coming into this season because he's old and he's on a bad team with a question mark at quarterback. But the quarterback seems to be settled and played really good last week. It's Zach Ertz. He's old. He's on the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't see it. They drafted a tight end in the second round last year, I I thought, and lots of people thought, that they would try to get their second-year tight end involved. Mm -hmm. Most tight ends are bad their rookie year even worse than you know regular tight end standards which are already bad but then they tend they they tend to go from like really bad to only kind of bad between their first and their second year that's what we expected and it's just not happening they're just feeding Zach Ertz all the time it's almost like the arizona cardinals don't actually want to lose every football game um which we didn't expect certainly looked like they were tanking but who knows Maybe the people playing for that team want to keep playing football professionally. Most of this was sarcasm, by the way, if you if you can't pick up on it. The notion that any team is going to just try to tank and try to lose and try to suck is stupid. If you say that, you're stupid. Be better. Be smarter. And finally, we're moving on to the Mirage of the Week. The Mirage of the Week is Kareem Hunt. This is a new segment that we are going to do every week when we talk about our waiver wire targets, it is the guy who people think they are really smart for putting on their team, and they aren't. Like, if if there's anyone out there who wants to drop a roster spot on Kareem Hunt because he visited the Browns, there's a very clear reason why it's not going to pan out the way you want it to. A, even if he signs this week, He's not going to get involved all that early, right? Their their system is similar to what he already knows, but he was also pretty bad in the system last year. They haven't changed the system considerably since last year. They are trying to use more of a one-back approach. They are not targeting the running backs at all, and that's where Kareem Hunt made most of his production happen. And finally, the Browns just outright didn't want him there. And then at the end of the offseason, instead of acquiring Kareem Hunt again for not a lot of money, they sent draft capital to the New England Patriots in exchange for Pierre Strong, who's really cool. I like Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong, you know what? I should have put him in, in the waiver wire targets. I should have put him in the running back targets. That That's a really good low-priority add that like if you can get him at the bottom of your roster, you feel pretty good about it. The running back two for the Browns, I mean, week one, it was Jerome Ford. He got 15 carries. The data last week is obviously pretty skewed, so it could be a pretty valuable position. But it's not... I'm not looking for Kareem Hunt. By the time you are confident enough to start Kareem Hunt, he is going to be in a committee on an offense that doesn't look superb. By the time he gets the workload and you feel confident enough starting him there will be enough people eliminated in your league that there will that you should have better running backs to start over kareem hunt moving out of the waiver wire section of today's show we're going to talk about free agent budgets that is what if you didn't know what i was talking about when i said fab FAAB stands for free agent acquisition budget it is a set amount of money that you get at the beginning of the year you spend it or trade it however you like as the season progresses we have a few rules and guidelines of how you should spend your fab rule number one the thing that we tell everyone as much as we can you don't want to blow half of your budget or something resembling that on one guy, unless you lost an absolutely integral piece, right? If, if you had Nick Chubb and you now no longer have Nick Chubb and Christian fucking McCaffrey's sitting there on the wire, you, it's okay to blow half your budget for that, just to make sure that you can like tread water and stay afloat. But in general, if you're not in a really terrible position, most of the acquisitions you want to be making are the mid-tier guys, and you want to buy them at less than half of what it would cost to get the top-tier guys. Mid-tier guys can live on your lineup. They can elevate your team for a considerable amount of time. They will have their work when buy weeks start rolling around. You can trade them later in order to get the more high-tier guys. Those are the primary targets. Rule number two. Always check and see what players got dropped from the team that got last you do not want to just look at the waiver wire because the wire will sort players in almost every format or every platform excuse me they will sort players based on their projections and so if you're if the guy who got cut who got chopped this most recent week had a Jonathan Taylor, or a Cooper Cup, or an Alvin Kamara, they are not going to show up at the top of that wire. Always be sure to either look at what their team was last week, or scroll to the very bottom of the waiver wire until you get to the guys that are projected zero points. And then you're going to be able to make acquisitions on hopefully way, uh, a, way a much cheaper standard. Um, and this is also something that you should keep in mind once bye weeks start rolling around. That That is the reason that I won my league last year, most likely, is that I, I made nearly every acquisition was like half the price that I should have paid for the first three or 4 bye bi-weeks. It took people a long time to catch on. So if you're the only person in your league who listens to this show, you can absolutely take advantage of that. You should. And you will, I promise, as long as you make it to week five. Just make it to week five, and you'll be A okay. Rule number three I'm gonna say this one literally in every show. Every show where we talk about the waiver wire, the big red Q is a big red flag. If they have a red letter, a Q, a D, an O, an IR, a sus, even. And eh, not a sus. I don't care much, as much about suspended. Big red letters next to their names are big red flags. You, it, It's totally okay to put a bid in on them. You never want to pay top dollar for someone who has big red letters next to their name. If you get them for cheap, great. If someone else spins up on them, even better. They are doing themselves a disservice. And that's great for you. And now, we're going to move in to the last, the most anticipated section of our show. because And I know that it's the most anticipated because I pulled one person. Evan Danaher. Thank you. It's the trade talk. Guys, I've seen some really, really bad trades coming through in the last, like, four or five days. There's a couple of very, very important things especially in guillotine, that you need to keep in mind when you are making a trade. The first one. If you are trading a star player, a guy who you took with one of your first three picks, you need to talk to at least four or five different people about what they would offer you for that player. Do not just go to one person and then take whatever they offer you. I saw that happen three times in one day. I saw Austin Eckler get traded for Jamal Williams and 10% of a FAB budget. That's nothing. I saw Cooper Cup get traded straight up for Javante Williams. That one is more reasonable, but Javante Williams also just got purchased for 65 FAB. And so... I mean, Cooper Cup's worth more than that, and we know this. I, I get that if you're in a tough spot, it's okay to trade him, but you can also do way better for Cooper Cup, right? Finally, most egregious, I saw Aaron Jones and Amari Cooper get traded for Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones Jr., These are terrible moves. And the reason that they were made isn't because the people who made them were stupid. It's because they thought it was their only opportunity. And that's just not true. There are so many other people in your league who, if you're in a tough spot, you can make a deal with them. You want to know how you make that deal? You take the deal that the other guy offered you, you go to someone else, and you say, Hey, I will give you these players if you can do better. Than what this guy just did. And you can fucking circle around five, six, seven people. Do it. If you are trading a big name, there is almost always someone who is willing to pay more than the first guy you make a deal with. Take the extra 15, 20 minutes. Shop them around. Don't screw your team over for the foreseeable future. Because the people who made those trades, did they stay alive this week? Yeah. Are they gonna stay alive till the end? No. The the those moves take your team from potential, hopeful, might make it to the end, to you don't have the upside to be able to survive week in, week out for the next, you know, ten week span, and then turn that ten week span into the turn your team after that just getting by for the first 10 or so weeks into all-star team trade rule number 2 that we want to get into you should only ever be proposing a trade to another team that makes their team that makes their team's projection increase especially if you're acquiring the best player You should always be trying to acquire the best player. That is how you start getting upward mobility on your team. Sometimes it's fine to trade them away if you're in a really tough spot, if you need to make sure that you diversify your assets because other guys on your team are hurt or on buy or just not playing for whatever reason, a.k.a. Jonathan Taylor. Um, But generally, the trades that you want to be making, you want to be acquiring the best player, you want to be moving two pieces for one much better piece or one even marginally tiny bit better piece. It makes your team better because then you just, you hopefully, if you're listening to this, you know, what guys you pick up after that, that you can slot in and make sure that you keep chugging along. But these trades only make sense if it makes the other team more likely to survive. You don't want to be the person who makes a trade and the person you trade with immediately perishes. I traded with, I want to say, 10 teams last year by uh, by week eight. And then two weeks later, the only people who were left in the league were people who I had made trades with. You want to be making your other, the other teams in your league better. You want to make yourself better, but you definitely want to make them better too. It, it's not a question of, oh, did I win this trade? It's a question of, Are we both better? And at that point, it's an actual good and reasonable trade. And that should always be the goal. Make each other more likely to survive this week. And then, moving away, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to move away from the kumbaya, help everyone sort of message. And I'm going to tell you exactly who you need to target when you are trying to make a trade for those good players. You want to target the team in the league that is closest to Death, that is on Death's doorstep. At that point, you have the ability to get not whatever you want, but more. You can, you can squeeze just a little bit harder, and that, I mean, if you make a trade with them that gets them away from Death's door, then you're doing exactly what I was talking about in the previous rule which is making them more likely to survive, but it's way better for you the closer they are to death. So you always want to be looking for the players whose heads are on the chopping block, their neck can feel the cold metal of the guillotine around them, and you say, I will give you this player, give me all your money, and they say, okay, not all the money, but you understand the principle, right? You always are going to get the best deal from the person who was closest to death. You want to deal with them like you are a fucking mob boss dealing with someone who owes them money. You need to make them an offer they can't refuse, and if they say no, you cut off a horse's head and put it in their bed. Uh, for legal reasons, that last bit was was fake. That was just a Godfather reference, I promise. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you all very much for watching for watching and listening. Please remember... That today's episode was sponsored by the follow button remember if you or a loved one has access to a finger you can use it to press the follow button and we would really appreciate it if you did and with that i will thank you for watching i'll talk to you all again tomorrow when we release the exit interviews from the poor unfortunate souls who got chopped this week goodbye for now